0: You are listening to Propelling, a Microdrones podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Propelling, a Microdrones podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Folks, thank you so much for joining us on another episode of Drones' podcast. I'm going to point you in a few directions to make sure that you are getting all of the Microdrones content you crave. Make sure that you're going to Apple Podcasts and Spotify first to subscribe. To propelling, you can do so by just looking up propelling or micro drones on either platform. Hit that subscribe button, and then you'll have a full catalog of uh, previous episodes as well as notifications when we drop fresh content. You can also go to our website at microdrones.com. Again, microdrones.com. On there, you'll find plenty of information about our solutions and services, and of course, more information on our blogs. And that includes content like podcasts, videos, articles, original series, all of the above. Some great content to be found on the site. Make sure to check it out. So on this episode of Propelling, we're digging in, pun intended, to UAVs in the blasting and mining industries. As an industry, mining has seen a lot of the same digital and automated improvements that other industrial sectors have adapted to over the years. To make the best use of these interconnected machines, though, like all of those other industrial sectors, mining and blasting professionals need robust data capture and analysis to help guide projects from start to finish and make the most out of their machinery and updated practices. This is where UAVs enter the scene. So here to break down how drones are guiding mining and blasting into the future, which really is the now, we're joined by Jeremy Stafford, Vice President of Ideal Blasting, and Matt Rosenbaum, Sales Manager for the Southern United States for Microdrones. Jeremy, Matt, great to have you both on. How are y'all doing? Doing great. Thanks for having us.
1: Yeah, thanks, Daniel. Look forward to doing great over here.
0: Fantastic. How are y'all holding up uh, during the pandemic? I, I'm checking in on all our guests.
2: <laughs> we're, we're holding up pretty good, uh, you know. Staying busier than actually we expected to. Uh, believe it or not, I think a lot of people are doing a lot of construction right now during the downtime. So, same pretty good, staying healthy,
1: family's all yep. health good. Yeah, same over here. I got I got two little ones that been taken care of, and uh, uh, it's, which has been fun to uh, navigate in a pandemic with a six month old. I guess he was born <laughs> as soon as it started. So, yeah, we're we're doing okay. Our sanity is, is not all there, but we'll make it through.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I feel that we're making it work.
1: Yeah, I think that's the, name the, of the game. mindset of
0: everybody right now. Yes, exactly. That's right. All right, y'all. Well, let's go ahead and jump in. Uh, Jeremy, I want to start with you uh, because you have such a uh, storied career in this industry. I just want to highlight that real quick and ask you a, a intro question. So you've worked with the explosives and blasting industry for 20-plus years now between mining, demolition, quarry work, major road construction, and everything in between. And as a member of the ISEE, USBTA, and IABTI, you specialize in the use of and the training in uh, of newest tools, equipment, and technology available to the explosives industry. So over those last 20 years, how have you seen the technologies that you've had to specialize in and the ones that you've had to train others on change and uh, adapt to certain shifts in the industry?
2: Yeah, there's definitely a lot uh, of shifts. And I think part of it is even generationally, because traditionally uh, in the old days, if you will, it was just a bunch of good old boys, <laughs> you know, kind of out there blowing things up and not really uh, paying attention to the science behind it, if you will. Whereas nowadays, uh, there's a lot more science to it. You know, they're starting to look at powder factor to see, you know, how much explosives they need, looking at stemming, ejection, and everything. Trying to make sure everything's kind of contained better doing a lot more of the scientific approach and then you add in the fact that you got a younger generation who's now used to computers and smartphones we all carry around a little computers in our pockets now so big changes when it comes to that in my opinion because uh, the younger generation is all about bringing this technology to whatever industry they're in whether this is uh, the industry that we're talking about or whether any industry so I think that's part of the reason that you get a lot more of this automation going on and it's a little more accepted kind of across the board probably even society-wise versus just an in industry.
0: And like I mentioned earlier, uh, in general, mining is becoming much more automated, uh, you know, especially compared to 20 years ago, but even, you know, year over year we see new technologies make their way into these industrial sectors, mining included. Can you share some examples of how automation is making its way into different aspects of mining and blasting operations, just so we can understand exactly how it's manifesting here?
2: Yeah, absolutely. One of the quickest and easiest ways that uh, you're starting to see it is just on the actual the drilling side of it, because as you're drilling, say in a quarry or a mine or whatever, the basically the angle or the straightness of the hole that you're drilling makes a huge impact on how much rock you're gonna be blasting out. A typical quarry bench face, if you will, or a mine, whatever. You know, if if I'm planning on having a burden of 10 feet, I'm just throwing this number out there. Let's say I'm planning on 10 feet, but if my drill goes off to either side to closer to either hole, that's not good. Or let's say if it goes closer to the bench face, or even further back, uh, that all affects how uh, effective your blast is gonna be and how, how much money you've got and even potentially some liability issues uh, down the road. So with that being said, one of the easiest ways and to see the automation coming through is with the drill rigs being automated nowadays, So basically, when a drill operator gets on there, rather than having to do it all by hand and feel, I mean, it's still involved, but uh, they can punch in the coordinates and know exactly where they should be drilling, and they can then monitor the exact drill angle as they're going along. Because it's no different than you taking a cordless drill and trying to drill through a piece of wood. When you hit a knot, you know, the drill bit wants to go sideways. Well, it's the same thing if you're trying to drill through the ground. You, You hit different rocks or different types of rocks, and it never wants to go straight exactly. So that's just one of the... Smaller examples that you'll see, uh, then on a the large scale, it's starting to come around and be a little more popular nowadays. I don't think we're fully there, but we're, we're really kicking it off right now. People are starting to adapt is actual mine equipment, you know, from haul trucks, everything. So those are starting to become automated. So they'll be driving through the mine on their own uh, rather than having to have a human drive these products back and forth from where they're pulling them out of the ground to where they're actually processing them.
0: Now, how does data capture... And data analysis influence the impact of said machinery and said technology on site. Do you find that it's incredibly needed uh, and an integral part in getting the most out of these machines? Is it sort of a tangential aspect of digital and automated updates to the industry that you know is important, but isn't necessarily immediately linked to all of the uh, the best practices of uh, getting the most out of said machinery and said updates where does it fit in i
2: think it's kind of actually a hybrid of both i think right now it's it is kind of off to the side if you will and people are just now starting to see the the full benefits of capturing some of this data you know little things as far as even just flying over your your mine uh your open pit and then just looking at your haul roads even just making sure that they have the correct safe angles or they're wide enough for a truck to get up and down or to pass each other potentially or creating places for the trucks to pass each other. Just kind of a lot of different little things but I think you know just from even just from that safety perspective I think it will become something that is going to be uh, absolutely kind of a requirement if you will that everybody's going to be doing this in the future. So I think we're kind of just right at that point where we're kind of transitioning from one to the other so that it is going to be critical in the future to keeping your mine up and running.
0: Matt, I want to go ahead and loop you in now to uh, some of those same questions. So since you've been in the industry uh, and uh, working with the mining industry specifically, how have you seen automation make its way into different aspects of uh, these operations? And how does data capture influence the impact of uh, updated machinery and interconnectedness on site?
1: Yeah, no, uh, that's a great question, Daniel. So, you know, with, with mining, you know, data is a big part of, of all this and, and safety is probably the biggest word you'll hear in the mining industry. Making sure that, like Jeremy said, you know, trucks can pass or, or the, you know, you're not going to have sloughs of the, of the rock and, you know, a truck be driving and, and, and uh, you need landslides, all that good stuff or bad stuff, if you want to say. You want to make sure that, these vehicles and the people on site are safe so you know with drones specifically you're able to to keep people safe because you're keeping people out of uh, harm's way in most cases you know you can utilize you know lidar sensors or photogrammetric payloads to to get updated imagery updated volumes of material without having to actually put somebody on site or on that particular pile or, or that particular face of a high wall so you know with the data side of things you're able to to not only get that updated imagery, that updated 3D model, but you can also analyze that 3D model from the data captured from your UAVs to ensure that the haul roads are safe or the high walls are safe and, and everything around. So it's all interconnected and, and eventually uh, I can foresee the those 3D models being used to help guide the driverless vehicles and the bucket trucks and, and everything that goes with all the, the equipment on site.
0: Matt, before you came to micro drones, you were a professional in geospatial distribution, just for some context, where you helped develop an emerging drone market to provide commercial UAV surveying and mapping solutions for customers in the southern US. How did you find drones helped streamline some of the industrial workflows there? Uh, especially with LIDAR as a tool. And then we'll try to connect some of the takeaways you got from that work to uh, the mining and blasting industry.
1: Yeah. So, uh, uh, you know, before I, I came to Micro I worked for one of our distributors and, uh, you know, I helped build a, a UAS program for that company. You know, it was kind of a UAVs and unmanned aircrafts were kind of a hot buzzword at the time and not too many people had actual programs. So I helped build that program and helped introduce. You know, uh, UAVs to construction industry. You know, LiDAR was was a thing, obviously at the time, but it wasn't so much a thing on drones because of how heavy it was, and it was kind of a new a new topic. So it was more so on the photogrammetry side, and utilizing you know photogrammetric sensors to help build point clouds and help get volumes for construction sites. Before then, you know, it was done by hand. So this type of technology helps. You know, going back to that that big buzzword, the safety of these construction sites and mining sites and and keeps people out of harm's way. So when you can keep people safe in this industry, you're doing a good thing because you're not only doing that, but you're also making sure that people are more productive on site.
0: So this is a question for both of y'all now. Uh, I want to try to combine the insights we've been getting here, updates to the mining and blasting industry over the years, uh, some of the impacts that Uh, Matt, that you've seen of UAVs for surveying and mapping, especially with LiDAR involved. How do both of you see UAVs, and especially LiDAR as a payload on said UAV, as giving streamlined workflows to mining and blasting professionals? And how does the UAV intersect with some of the other updates of the industry we've been seeing?
1: Yeah, I guess I'll start and uh, and Jeremy can kind of respond to is, you know, with with LIDAR specifically and the the accuracies that you can get from these types of systems now, um, you're able to build a pretty picture um, that's not only a pretty picture, but also a, a useful picture of what's actually going on on site. The engineers and everybody within the office can then take that 3D model and make recommendations and make, you know, different kind of decisions to ensure they're getting the most out of that mine or quarry. You know whether it be you know where they should dig next or where they should blast next or how they should set up a blast. The lidar and you know the different sensors that you can carry on drones now fit and mesh really well with the expectations of of getting the most out of the court.
2: Yeah, I totally agree with Matt when it comes to that. You know the stockpiling aspect of it alone is is huge. Um, that's really really taken off in the past few years, and it's just improving the bottom line for these mining companies as well you know they can take a piece of technology like a lidar based system and put it into application and next thing you know they're saving so much time and money but potentially negating some of the risks involved that were in some of these mining applications or quarrying or whatever so when it gets into that aspect. Yeah, it's it's definitely something that in the future you're going to see just more and more of it coming to be. And I think that, you know, to start with, we were at a point of everybody's wondering how, just how effective they were, just how accurate it was going to be when it was based on a UAV platform. Well, I think that's pretty much been established now. And I think that people are just starting to adopt it and to actually put them into uh,
0: use. Jeremy, question for you. Since you've been using UAVs in mining and blasting, how were they viewed when you first started showing them off as an emerging technology in some of your communities, whether that's online or at explosive conferences? Were they seen as an exciting tool? Were you getting side eyes? Was it still kind of a confusing integration? (laughs) Uh, Give us a little bit of context there. Oh, I was definitely
2: getting the side eyes. Uh, <laughs> when I first started showing up at an event, say like the Mine Expo or the ISE's International Society of Explosive Engineers, that's one of their shows, or, you know, just a different places. Everybody was always like, why do you have this drone? Why do you have that little whirly bird toy sitting there on your uh, display? You know, like, what are you going to do with this thing? You know, because they had only seen, seen them and thought the whole privacy thing was a big issue at that time. And nobody was really considering the fact that this is actually a tool, not a toy. And it's it's pretty funny. I would say over the past four years, there's really been a huge shift to where I was getting those kinds of questions to where now I can be at a conference and it's it's quite funny. I'll be walking through the lobby on my way into the um, exhibit hall in the morning. And you'll see one or two people with their UAVs <laughs> sitting on a table and like having coffee with a colleague and they're sitting there going over some data apparently that they have captured and they're just trying to compare it or looking at it or getting some help. Um, I never really sit down and ask them exactly what they're doing, but it's pretty funny to actually see that uh, they're not even on site with them. They're bringing them to the exhibit halls and showing them to each other. So <laughs> it's a huge, huge paradigm shift in how they're viewed.
1: Yeah. And, and I can even bid on that. Like it's uh, I got the same thing back in the day. It's 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 uh, you know, what are what is this for? How can it help me? And really, when you start to talk about the data and you show the data and you show, you know, just how powerful it is, you know, you can really uh, push the envelope and really start to get their their gears turning uh, within their head. And, and uh, they see how this could easily start to be a tool that can be implemented in their day to day workflows.
0: Since those early days, what are some of the ways that mining and blasting professionals now see and use drones in their day-to-day activity? Uh, Do you find that it's an intuitive tool right now for the industry? Is it still something that needs some education on, but people are more open to it? Uh, Where do they stand right now for the industry? From my perspective i think it takes a little bit of both i
2: think some of the larger companies out there uh you know the ones that have the larger resources if you will they're there they're adopting they're bringing them on board they're ready for it most of them even have divisions uh inside of their company just for uav operators you know and they won't have just one you know they'll have multiple people going across the country or wherever their operations are and actually flying the uavs but i still think some of these smaller Outfits out there are the ones who need a little more uh, education, but they are, I think they're ready. They just probably need to learn a little more, figure out how easy they are to actually implement. And then, you know, at that point in time, they'll probably just hop on board and, and, and go with it. I don't know what you think, Matt, but those are my thoughts. You no, know, for
1: sure. I, it, I would say, you know, probably in the early days, you know, maybe 20% at the most people were using drones. And I would say. It's probably much less than 20 percent. People that aren't using drones now in, in some kind of capacity uh, within the mine. Maybe they don't actually fly it themselves, but they're getting it outsourced most likely. Because you know, just just helping quantify how much material they have in their stockpiles is something that they need to produce. Probably they probably would like to do it every month or some price a lot of times every week. But at the minimum, every quarter they're needing to kind of quantify that so they can have uh, an updated idea of how much material they have built up and, and also for their tax purposes. So yeah, drones are, are, have become a major tool for majority of, of your mining operations out there for sure.
0: Matt, can you go ahead and break down for us the specific payloads that are most useful for mining and blasting operations that you've found since uh, working with this industry?
1: Yeah, for sure. So, um, you know, with mines, uh, they're pretty complex sites, as you can imagine. There's so many different types of mines out there, but uh, I would say that the majority of your systems that are being used are your photogrammetry payloads. And just now your larger operations are starting to adopt and and utilize the the LiDAR because of the workflow and how fast you can actually get the data out of it, not having to wait for hours for your computer to process and stitch together photos. You know, and now, you know, micro drones, we actually just released a, a new product. Actually, two new products that are, you know, well-designed for mapping, you know, with high walls and mapping the quarries. You have, you know, these large faces somewhere, sometimes, you know, hundreds of feet tall that you don't, you can't put anybody on uh, because of how complex they are and how high and how dangerous it is. So being able to actually map something like that, you know, with a 3D payload or an oblique camera you know, is very beneficial because you can get so much information. You can see everything down to if there's a rock looking like that, it's dangerous. It's in danger of falling and pump falling all the way down that that high wall. It could be dangerous to people below. So being able to map that accurately and get as much information as possible, you know, cameras like that, like with uh, multiple sensors or or different angles are going to be really great for for mapping that type of stuff. But uh, all in all, you know, your, your traditional Nader photogrammetry, Cameras like the phase one cameras for, for mapping the entire site, uh, flying at higher altitudes and, and being able to do uh, different types of mapping from it, as well as LIDAR. And now, you know, the oblique cameras are all kind of the ones that are, that are used uh, within this market.
0: Jeremy, could you give us some context from, you know, basically a, a day on the job? If you had to break down exactly the ways that a UAV... Uh, assists in making day-to-day on-site activities more seamless, uh, and uh, any subsequent data analysis more straightforward for mining and blasting professionals. How are UAVs assisting in, uh, you know, in, in some of that streamlined workflow?
2: Yeah, I mean, just blast drill hole pattern layout is its own little subtopic amongst this. Uh, there, there's quite a few different applications for the UAVs, but that's just one that honestly it is a little more complex than some of the others. You know, you want to make sure you're getting it just right. Uh, you want to see how much burden, how much uh, material you want to get out to remove, how much you're going to be producing, you know, they don't want to produce any more than they need. And they obviously don't want to underproduce. So when it comes into that the engineers uh the blasting engineers there's a lot of time there previously they would spend actually going and physically measuring all these little spots and trying to then use a what was at that point time a 3d profiler which was a ground-based system they had to set up to try and uh, get these same kind of measurements and the whole process was just so so involved and so much longer whereas you can take a UAV and pre-plan a mission or or you even plan it once you get on site and say, hey, I want to map this area. And honestly, from the whole startup, from the time you get on site, plan your mission, and the drone's done flying, and you're processing your data is probably 20 to max of 30 minutes. And I'm, I'm being a little generous with the times there, uh, just for the planning aspect of it. So you're getting more accurate data But at the same time, you're spending way less time. So these guys can then go back in and really get into looking at exactly how much tow they might have. You know, just all kinds of different little aspects of it. And so they can then really plan that blast out and use less explosives. So they're saving money and also being safer as well. So they can, they can do quite a bit when it comes to that. I mean, obviously there's a bunch of other applications in mining, you know, like we talked about from stockpiling to looking at the haul roads to mine planning, you know, where are you are going to move your equipment to next in the mine. There's just a lot of different things, even the safety aspect, as Matt said, you know, just looking at the, the high walls and make sure that everything's still safe and nothing's moving, you don't, don't run any risks of any kind of wall collapse or anything of that nature. So there's, there's a lot of, of ways. It just depends on that person's uh, application or that person's job title, what they're doing in the mine. But there's, there's definitely going to be several, several different applications that somebody could sit there and walk through on a daily basis.
0: And when we look at micro drones' as solutions specifically... Uh, Like in other industries, the company offers micro drones as a service for its sales model. Matt, can you give us uh, some more information on how this impacts the accessibility of UAV solutions for mining and blasting? Why is this how you structure uh, providing solutions to the mining and blasting industry?
1: Yeah, so micro as a service actually fits really well with a lot of uh, the business models of the mines because it, you know, it offers a couple different ways to get into the products, you know, a lot of these uh, big mining companies don't want the huge capital expense, they'd prefer to, to just lease or rent a product and keep it uh, off the books. So there is the option to always lease the equipment and, um, you know, on the, it also allows for different sites to also purchase the system at a much discounted rate and then just pay for the processing as you go. So Microdrone's as a service, uh, our MD Infinity, uh, let's say the software that you actually process the data, um, is kind of a, a hub for these companies, and they can actually visualize, you know, all the different payloads from all the different sites within that one hub, and you can actually have one person process all that data internally for each of the mines versus having to have a person uh, located at each site uh, process that data. You know, with MD Infinity Online, you're able to get the raw data from each particular site. You know, and then have that person process it however he would like or she. Jeremy,
0: how has uh, that business model and structure uh, impacted the ways that you and your team have used drones on site? Has it been a benefit to you? Well, I think you know, obviously there's a lot of concerns over
2: uh, privacy and things with UAVs right now, and micro drones is one we don't have any issues when it comes to that. So having that said, the other thing that's nice about micro drones compared to any other uh, UAV platform out there is, is they are an end to end solution. So, you know, going from their manufacturing the drone all the way down to the software, as Matt was saying, they've got it in a cloud based system so that one person can process it. Um, that changes things uh, substantially because almost any other platform, in fact, I don't know of any other one. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Matt, but uh, as, as far as I'm aware of, You have to buy your UAV, buy your software, buy a thing from your your piecemealing it together. So things, whenever you piecemeal it, in my opinion, just never really work that smoothly. There's always some kind of a glitch somewhere. Whereas this is just a lot easier process to keep it all in one family. Uh, And then at the end of it, you get your actionable data that you can look at however you want. Uh, You know, if you do have another piece of software you want to use, you can... Exported into that software system as need be and I think the uh, micro drones as a service is just another Great way to make this kind of a tool affordable uh, Especially to that uh, 20% like Matt was saying of the of the smaller guys who may not have that huge budget Or especially anybody right now, honestly, uh, you know, just being able to afford something getting it So it's a little little easier pill to swallow if you will I think that's just something that's gonna broaden the market and get more people's hands-on to uh, these different units, whether it is a light or or an oblique camera, whatever they want to go with. I just think it's going to, to,
0: you're going to see more and more of it. And just in general, have y'all seen uh, the technology that supports uh, UAV solutions? So anything from uh, the manufacturing processes, to the payloads themselves becoming more accessible across the board, or maybe specifically for the mining industry? And if so, how? Uh, what are some specific ways that uh, this technology and these solutions have become more accessible and more affordable?
1: Yeah, you know, uh, you know with, with uh, UAV technology and, and, you know, LIDAR specifically, you know, one of the big burdens of entry always was the cost. Being able to to get into a solution like our MD LIDAR One Thousand uh, at a much you know much more affordable rate you know and with the different options has opened people's eyes a little bit more because they know how powerful the tool is they've always wanted one and it's just it was just that that burden of entry that really was a tough pill for them to swallow so you know what it what it also allows for them to do is get a, a piece of advanced technology. And then as other things become available, you know, like our 3D camera, which we just released, it allows for them to get other tools that they really need since they already have the platform to fly the system, um, you know, adding different technology and different sensors to their workflow is uh, going to be really beneficial for them uh, down the road.
2: Yeah. So I pretty much agree with everything that uh, Matt just said. I do have one customer specifically who was interested in something like this, but, you know, he didn't think he could afford it. Which in the past, uh, 100%, he probably couldn't have because he would add a shell out a check over here to somebody and another check over here to somebody else. And with the micro drones of the service, I think you're going to see that he's actually able to, to do it. And, you know, he's, he's interested in picking up a system. Uh, so I'm chatting with him right now about that. But with that being a lease kind of an option, you know, he's able to while he's still paying for the unit, be working and getting it paid for. So I think it just, it changes things. Uh, You know, the barrier of entry is, is much lower when you go to this MDE as a service.
0: All right, y'all. I think that wraps up our conversation for today. Last note that I want to leave us with is just sort of to let Matt and Jeremy, let both of you give us your tips or your recommendations on how other construction, surveying, and engineering companies should strategize to add drones to their toolbox. Uh, what are some of the you know, the ways that you would recommend uh, the workflow adjustments, the uh, technology improvements, and the data analysis that comes from UAV integration on site, and what some of the value that you really think it brings. Give us a breakdown, and then we'll close out most people i
2: notice they want to start in just find some cheap UAV or drone which i understand that makes sense but what winds up happening is you don't get the data you don't get all the safety you don't get everything with that so my recommendation is and it's a tough bill to swallow but is to start out with something that you can use you know don't go buy the cheap five dollar hammer that's going to break next week go ahead and buy the fifty dollar one that you'll be able to use for the next 10 years and we'll do a better job if that makes sense that's kind of the way i view it with it comes to the uavs and i think that it is one of those things that you get what you pay for so when you invest into a quality uav such as the MD-1000 or 3000 and any of the payloads with them, uh, at that point in time, you've got something that you will be able to use for a long period of time. And as new technologies come out, different payloads, you'll still be able to use that platform and continue to swap those out and to stay ahead of the game and probably be ahead of your competition.
1: And, uh, And to build on that, what Jeremy was saying is, you know, I always tell my customers to really look at the workflow, especially with a pr- uh, a product like a like a lidar solution. You know, with micro drones, we control our entire workflow, and the big benefit of that is, you know, we don't just build a drone or just build the flight planning software or just integrate the payload or do the software on the back end. We we do it all. So when it comes to training and support. You, you deal with one manufacturer, or you deal with your dealer first, like Ideal Blasting, and then, you know, if, if they can't help you, they come straight to us and we can support all facets of that workflow. Um, and the other big thing is, is you don't have to reinvent the wheel with this technology. Um, how, can, how can you integrate this type of system into your current workflows and become more efficient? So instead of doing, you know, taking a week long to do a, a survey by hand, you know, integrate a LiDAR solution and you can do that survey, um, you know, 30 minutes of air time. So when you when you become safer and you integrate this into your day-to-day type of business, you're able to become more efficient and get a return on investment much quicker.
0: All right, y'all. That does it for this episode of Propelling. I want to thank our guests for giving us insights on the impact and value of UAVs in the mining and blasting industry. Again, we've been chatting with Jeremy Stafford, Vice President of Ideal Blasting, and Matt Rosenbaum, Sales Manager the southern united states for micro drones jeremy if folks want to find out a little bit more about the work ideal blasting is doing and potentially get in touch with y'all how can they find out more uh the easiest thing is just to give us a call or hop on the web but
2: uh you can reach out to us at 800-533-0144 or um go on our website it's just idealblasting.com or shoot us an email sales at idealblasting.com we're we're almost always there Other than the weekends, I'll take that back. Uh, But beyond that, no, we're we're pretty much available for you guys uh, to
0: help out and however however they need. Sounds great, Jeremy. Thanks again, and Matt, appreciate the time as well. Thanks, Daniel. Yeah, thanks, Daniel. And thank you everyone for listening to this episode of Propelling, a micro drones podcast. If you like what you heard and want to listen to previous episodes, make sure that you're subscribing on Apple Podcasts and Spotify for that full catalog of previous episodes as well as updates when we drop new conversations. You can also go to our website at microdrones.com, again microdrones.com, for a full breakdown of our solutions and services as well as a variety of different pieces of content including original series, videos, podcasts, articles, blogs, and more. And make sure you're leaving a rating and a comment wherever you're listening to your podcast content. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Until next time. Propelling, a microdrones podcast.